you guys have me all flustered because you're I'm so sorry. comfortable no, and I'm usually You're doing great. Okay, all right. I'm going to be fine. All right, today we'd like to welcome to the podcast Tom and Ben Kimball, co-owners of Kimball Productions. Tom is the co-founder of Kimball Productions, a Colorado-based video production company he co-owns with his son, Ben. Tom has been a professional producer, director, actor, and published author since 1976. Ben is a professional producer, editor, actor, and writer. That's a lot of, like, hashes. It is. Um, he holds a master's degree in screenwriting from Full Sail Film School. The Kimballs love a good story, and they live to inspire wonder with every story they tell. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. Yeah. Yay! So usually my first question is, what was your first job? But with uh, both no, of you, totally you were both... Fun. Okay, so let's yeah. do that then. What was I, your first like job that. and... Let's tell us about that. So, all right. There's my first ever job. Yeah, and then there's the my Then there's my first, like, job real job. job. Uh -huh. So my first ever job, I think you would know more about uh, than I would. It was an acting job. Right. He was um, five, I think. I think, yeah. And, and like, vague fragments of memories. Don't remember yeah, that. don't yeah. really. And it was a commercial for... A Christmas commercial for um, I think North Glen Mall, and he was this little blonde-haired, toe-headed kid, and he has this—he has to let loose this white dove. It's an actual dove. This is before CG, so he's like <laughs> real animals on the set. And I had PETA, to, I, yeah, guessed. yeah, they were probably no. This is before Peter. No, mm -hmm. I don't know actually. I don't know. It, it did poop on me. The animal was not harmed. I was harmed emotionally. In some way, so he lets the poopless bird go. That's right, and uh, and then they do like the slow mo and yeah. you know the the sort of overlapping yeah. kind of translucent picture, and he's like looking yeah. up, like you know, if you go to shop at the mall, you're gonna see birds or something. I don't know. I have no idea how that connected. Yeah, <laughs> but that yeah, he yes. he actually did a lot of commercials when he was younger and worked as a an actor at the Denver Center. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Playing Tiny Tim. He had to be tiny. Yeah. He had to be tiny. Too. Yeah, he, he was, was really, and he really was tiny, great. But he was tiny Ben. That's true. Tiny Ben. That's true. I still to this day love reading A Christmas Carol. I read it aloud to my kids, and then I always get really choked up at the part where Tiny Tim, spoiler alert, dies uh, <laughs> uh, in in the story. Anyway, um, that's that was my first job. Job, and then I had in high school. I worked for the city of Lakewood. Okay. And I did that for all throughout high school, and that was a great job. We worked with the the show wagon, which is like a semi trailer that folded out into a stage, and they would do concerts and stuff oh, all okay, throughout the city. Uh, it was a total blast, and I learned a lot. And probably a lot some of, illegal stuff going on. Probably, but not like drugs or anything. Like maybe we shouldn't illegal in the sense that probably an eighteen year old should not be driving a twenty foot box truck filled with propane tanks kind of thing just um i don't know what the statute of limitations is so that's all hypothetical <laughs> obviously it didn't really happen um yes but no when he came home from school he said hey uh me who was that, that parker was parker, parker yeah. Yeah. me and parker got jobs i'm at you're in ninth grade what do you mean you've got a job that's pretty great that's so deal. but he was used to working so yes. yeah but then what was your first job my first job was um I was on Broadway, starring in... No, I was not. <laughs> I was two, and... I was two. <laughs> yeah. No, I was uh, just a little kid delivering newspapers for a whopping $1.80 a week. A week. Paid in cash. 
Oh, I wonder if there's a statute of limitations <laughs> on the tax thing there. Oh, there you go. Well, no. I don't know. No, if no, I had no, gotten paid in cash, okay. it would have come in a little manila envelope with a dollar eighty cents written on it. <laughs> I delivered like thirty-seven newspapers for three years. It was horrible. Dogs chased me. That's right. It like really did. They really did. It was and, like the, the video game paper boy. And yeah. there were wasps yeah. in all the newspaper boxes, so it was either fighting the wasps or the dogs. Can't win. It was. I was. I'm damaged forever. I yeah. bet. Yeah. I'll Where's be your dog? I mean, I love dogs. He's around here somewhere. He's so, a yeah, that was our first job. My first job. So I guess I was in the newspaper business. There you go. You're in the newspaper Technically. business. Yeah, Technically. Yeah. So you both served in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And what capacities? Well, I uh, when I was in college, I was in ROTC, Reserve Officer Training mm -hmm. Corps. And... Um, I had a pilot slot and I was going to fly jets. Um, but then just didn't, couldn't relate to like the culture in terms of, you know, the actual flyers and not that air force pilots are bad or anything. Mm -hmm. They just weren't my tribe. So, you know, being an artist and studying theater and military stuff at the same time, I was kind of schizophrenic, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, but my first job was in public affairs. So I was, you know, a media guy. I was a journalist and a writer. So I worked on a newspaper. Our papers. There you go. Back to, so it always comes back back to the yeah. papers again. It's true. Stationed in England, which is where Ben was born mm -hmm. in England. We were going to leave him there, but they made us take him home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that was in the early, early 80s. And then I got out and started working in theater professionally. And Ben decided he wanted to join the Air Force, not when he was releasing doves, but that may have been a trigger point. <laughs> like, I'm That's trying, right. There's trying to come back to the doves. All some about point the here. air, yeah. Aero bird dynamics? No, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know either. No, I, yeah, I joined the Air Force straight out of high school um, and spent six years on active duty and was stationed in Virginia and then also uh, in my hardship tour in Hawaii. So that was rough. Uh, Horrible. Three Horrible very long, Terrible. We used to go wonderful and visit years like in Hawaii. No, it was, it was a great time. My daughter, um, still to this day, will not wear shoes uh, out of doors because she figures, why bother? Uh, um, I understand she, her. That's right. Uh, she, she's she, my type of people. <laughs> there you go. She grew up not having to wear shoes. Um, yeah. So six years in the Air Force. And then uh, after that, I came to work with my dad. And... Um, a few years later, I, I joined the Colorado Air National Guard. So I do the one weekend a month, two weeks a year thing. Oh, okay. And so that's what I'm currently doing and still have the opportunity to serve, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Because when I went off active duty in 1983, he was like a year old. And then after 17 year break in service, when he graduated from high school, I joined the reserve at the same time he went in active duty. So oh, I figured it'd cool. be something fun that we could do together, right? Father and son, Father we, can and like, son. we can like protect the nation together, right? And then, of course, a year later, it was 9-11. It was like, mm. didn't see that coming. Very but, different experience, yeah. But it ended up, I stayed in, in the reserve from that point on. So from 2000 to 2017, when I retired as a chief master sergeant, which probably doesn't mean anything to you, but. Oh, that's like. It's the top of the enlisted yeah. 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 yeah, I was going to say. I know, I know that's like top -ish. That's Kind of a lot of stripes, yeah. But it was such, it's a great job. And we still do some. Mm -hmm work for the Air Force Reserve and do some training for them. Which oh, is that's really, cool. Yeah, it's really fun cool. for us. Keeps right. my fingers in the pie. Okay, that's awesome. 
So how did you each get started in doing video production? Wow. I got started because I was an actor. Right. And you don't I really was have an option. Everybody right. goes to production eventually, right? Well, <laughs> not everybody, but I was in theater and theater was horrible hours and mm -hmm. did a lot of great work, but it's just not great money either. It's mm -hmm. not really conducive to raising a family. Mm -hmm. um, so I got an agent and was working on camera and doing, you know, spokesman kind of work and television acting. And I thought, wow, I could produce theater. How hard can television be? Do you ever have a kidney stone? <laughs> so I learned to do that, um, you know, because I was a good writer. Mm -hmm. I got hired a lot doing that, and then I started producing. Went back to school and studied the, you know, the technology. And, of course, Ben was growing up around that and hanging out on shoots and doing commercials and things like that. So I think that's kind of how I suckered him into it. And I, I remember... Um, playing around with giant old VHS, mm -hmm. you know, cameras that weighed as much as I did. Uh, in middle school, they had. Um, I went to Creighton Middle School, and we there was an AV department, and so oh, cool. they let us do like an orientation for the incoming seventh graders. And oh, that's cool. so I just oh, it was a blast, and I I felt like you know, my inner Steven Spielberg come out and was like directing people and... But he's not Jewish. I, no, but it's the directing part of Steven Spielberg. Anyway, <laughs> really uh, and then clearly not the, the goatee or beard, facial hair, anything at mm -hmm. 12 years old. But um, yeah, I just really enjoyed that. And I, th I guess like from a directing standpoint, I remember directing my, my cousins mm -hmm. doing, I would make up plays and things mm -hmm. like that and family reunions and whatnot. And it's just uh, in the blood. And I would just boss people around. I think really what it was is I really liked bossing people around. That was... Leadership skills, we like yeah, to call that. Yeah, that's what they call that. That's right. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> Probably more accurately, bossing people around. <laughs> but uh, And then in high school, too, I, I like to do that. Um, a buddy of mine and I found an old 8mm uh, film camera in a thrift store and like drove all the way to Boulder to get the film stock that we needed to record it and you know, to, to use it to to make a film and we just do stupid things and record them which is kind of what youtube is now mm -hmm. for the kids today mm -hmm. we didn't have youtube growing and up instagram. and mm -hmm. instagram and all that stuff it was just and you can do doofus, it on your phone now. doofus tube or something doofus tube that's doofus what film. we did oh i i remember still to this day the same thing with the eight millimeter silent movies because you know i'm so much older and um we we shoot these films. I make my sister be the cameraman, which mm -hmm. she didn't really want to do, but I threatened to beat her up if she didn't do it. Nice. So she would shoot these films, and we'd shoot stuff in slow motion. And you could see my hand gestures, like I'm directing her to tell her when to turn it on and turn it <laughs> off. So this one time we were shooting on the front porch of my house. I grew up in Maryland, and I was doing this like comedy mm -hmm. stunt pratfall, and so we were doing it in fast motion which means it's actually better to do it that way because it's fewer frames mm -hmm. per second so you can get more action on the film. It's You shoot slow-mo, you get like a five-second scene, you burned up your whole reel. So the, the stunt was I was going to run into the wall and then jump off the porch and fall. So I do that, and she's filming me the whole time. But when I jumped off the front porch, I hit my elbow on like a rock or something, and I'm on the ground writhing like this 
and she's still rolling. She's like walking right up to me. <laughs> it's like, just like the opening scene of the Wonder Years, right? <laughs> right. Like totally. kinda, and I'm like, yeah. turn it off, turn it off. And it's like, I was, you know, and then she finally turns it off. And I was like, I still remember that. I was like, I couldn't believe that. She goes, well, I didn't know I was supposed to stop. <laughs> I was like, the actor was in pain. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, I don't know if you're not, I don't know if you're. That's right. She, that's really your. I think really she wanted actor, to, you maybe, know, yeah. yeah I think no, she no. wanted to be able to look back on it. Goes, that's great. My brother was hurt. <laughs> it's payback. So, how did you start Kimball Productions, and how did you guys end up doing this together? That's a good question. This is a great question. Um, I started it. I've been doing this for 25 plus years with the film, and television stuff, and always kind of been a freelance and mm -hmm. had you know, different business partners and different structures over the years. Um, and I basically spun off from another company in, in 06 when Ben came off active duty. He had applied a bunch of places to, to get work in the defense contracting business and nobody was hiring because they were all full up. So he said, well, maybe I could just work with you for a while and, until I, something shakes out. And I said, sure. Here's half the company. <laughs> it's just like, if I don't give him half the company, it, it, my wife's like going, what are you doing? I said, well, if if he, he's got this responsibility personality, this mm -hmm. trait of like, I just knew him well enough to know that if he was invested, like all in, then he would, he would help make it grow. And he did. That's been 13 years. Wow. Yeah. So you just kind of got coerced. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that responsibility theme is really strong. So uh, it was... Telling people what to do. Well, yeah. I love bossing people yeah. around. <laughs> the promise of that was very encouraging. And, no, um, he has children for that. That's right. Yeah. That's, yes. that's true. Uh, my wife never really no, took huh? any of my bossing around no. No. She just She just sort of yeah, bosses me around. Stories like that. Anyway. Um, no, it's... Um, for for me, I think the the challenge of coming out of the Air Force and then having to um, you know own half of a, a small company was a huge challenge um, that I I totally was convinced that I could handle. Um, and 13 years later, I could look back at you know past me and say you aren't ready at all <laughs> but but the good news is life stands ready to teach mm -hmm. us all many many lessons um and so some of those lessons i i learned early on um and i feel i like to think that i'm pretty adaptive and a pretty quick learner mm -hmm. so um, as the lessons come up i try to embrace the mm -hmm. the learning and and apply it and move on what were some of those big lessons for you so um, I think maybe one of the biggest ones in that first year was um, excellence is great, perfection is deadly. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, from my perspective, every project had to be perfect. That was the standard, um, and I didn't have, and I certainly didn't have the words then to to be able to define the difference between excellence and perfect. So. I would try to bring every project to 100% of the best I could do uh, and, and the, what the project deserved. And my dad as the producer would constantly be saying, we need to get it out. We got to get it out. It's, it's due now. We can't, it can't be. It must be delivered. We don't have to be perfect. We need to get it done. And so 
learning where where done is mm-hmm. um and and you've heard any number of famous filmmakers talk about how a project is never complete it's only ever abandoned and that's oh, I, like that. I feel like that's true across everything forever um that that humans endeavor to do i think that's really true <laughs> that's just so for me i think that was one of the biggest lessons was was learning that difference and i i still wrestle with it occasionally mm-hmm. But I'm a lot better now at understanding what my clients' expectations are, right. and expectations. and making sure that we're landing within that that range because mm-hmm. it's never just you know a, a point. Mm-hmm. There's a range, and so if I can land slightly higher than they expected, and at, on time under budget, our clients seem to be pretty happy with that. And I would I would show you our balance book and our our. QuickBooks seems to also reflect that that seems to be a good approach um, for for running our business. I like it. Never complete, just abandoned. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's very true for right for everything. Mm -hmm. I I am also perfectionist, so I find myself being like, but it's not the perfect. Okay, but it's good enough. Right. Like we can we can let go of the thing. It meets the need. Yeah. It it, it, it's doing what it was designed to do. (laughs) Right. Out it goes. Yeah, and I'm not sure that it's even really a matter of it being good enough because mm-hmm. I think that's that puts you in a place too that you might, you know, that might be a negative kind of mm-hmm. feeling at mm-hmm. the end of the day. It's like, oh, it's just good enough. I could have done better. Well, maybe, yeah, probably. Um, or maybe not. Yeah. Um, but certainly the abandonment is, that's a, like an emotional detachment, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I, but absolutely. I love this and I want to be, I want it to be so right. It's like with, with my book, same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to just keep noodling on it and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And finally, my daughter-in-law was my book editor. She's like, dad, come on, it's got to get done. Like, yeah, we're on the side now. Yeah. So, time to get it out. Yeah. Awesome. So what have been, I'm actually gonna jump around here, but what have been some of the greatest successes in building Kimball Productions for you guys? That's a good question. I think um, I think what Ben just talked about is, is probably one of the big things. I think, um, I think clearly defining our roles mm-hmm. um, and, and staying in our lane and drifting over or pulling over to the side when necessary to help with other things. But <clears throat> we complement each other. Hey, you look nice today. It's a that's great a sweater you're wearing. That's a fantastic beard yeah, is what that you. is. I grew that that's, all my own. That's not the compliment uh, you're referring to. No, but that's not the compliment yeah. I was referring to. So we, we complement each other. He's a very technical guy, a very post-it kind of guy, a little you know, tasking you go and, through a lot of post-it notes at the office <laughs> and, and process mm-hmm. Whereas I am, you know, big picture and I want to talk about the story and I want to know about, you know, the, what, where did you get that jewelry? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, are those your slippers or <laughs> someone else's, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and, and Ben's like, that's not helping us get down the road, mm-hmm. but between the two of us, we're, we're moving those, dual components the content and the deliver the delivery mechanism so i think learning to do that well mm-hmm. um and responding um not to the trying not to respond to the tyranny mm-hmm. of the urgent mm-hmm. um but still being 
you know, we're the military guys, so it's like a mission, and we need to accomplish it. Accomplish that mission. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that in, in a reliable, uh, efficient, um, uh, timely manner? So those those are things that I think over time we've learned to to do that. And I think the other big thing that we've recently um, we've gotten really good at is is handling those those clients and being able to convey to them their part in the process mm-hmm. so that they feel valued in terms mm-hmm. of the relationship we feel valued and that together we're going to collaborate and come up with a great project. That's awesome. So what have been some of the big greatest obstacles? Big obstacles. You know, I think I think one of the biggest obstacles that we face as a creative company mm-hmm. is successfully communicating our value mm-hmm. to our clients. Yep. And I think, as I think back over the years, the most stressful or upsetting times uh, that we might have had in the business has been where our perception of our own value mm-hmm. and our client's perception of our value did not match. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, for a long time, I know I carried that as a like a personal diss on me, mm-hmm. um, which it's really hard to separate out what I do from who I am. Mm -hmm. And so overcoming that obstacle is yet again, a whole nother discussion, Mm -hmm. but being able to, to have a conversation and, and address those, uh, those potential concerns with a client as, uh, it's, it's hard. And, um, we, I think we've gotten a lot better at uh, sniffing that out uh, at the outset of a mm-hmm. conversation and uh, just trying to figure out if we're a good fit. Uh, a lot of times if clients are looking for, you know, a button pusher who's going to just do what they need done uh, and and then they just don't know how to push the buttons. They don't know what the software is, but they just, they're just going to ride, you know, herd over you and they want you to just turn off your brain, turn mm-hmm. off the human part of you and just do the machine things. That's not a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are exceedingly talented technically, mm-hmm. but the thing that excites us the most is like you talked about in the intro is we love to tell stories that inspire wonder. Mm-hmm. So for us, being able to bring what makes us human mm-hmm. uh, to the to our clients and then draw out what's human in them, uh, it usually comes comes out as the passion that's behind what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I can make a video about the what, uh, and that's, you know, can be interesting. There are shows like how it's made, like that is, that's the what. Yeah, and then it's so like, cool. what do you do to turn this thing into that thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, really great shows, totally love those shows. Uh, but what we get excited about is finding that passion and uncovering that with our clients so that they can share the passion that they have Mm -hmm. with the world. And then we know all the technical buttons and things to push to do that. But the core of it is that story piece. I love it. So you guys are in the business of telling stories and you do that through short stories, commercials, corporate videos, all of that. What are some of your favorite projects? Just give me like one or two. Hmm. I'd have to say one of my favorite things to do is what I did yesterday with a client. This is even before we got started on it and this is just a potential client right now who 
uh, owns a yoga studio. <clears throat> She's trying to figure out how do I tell that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell the story of like, well, we offer these different kinds of yoga classes, and mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll inform you of those classes, and here's where we're located, and mm-hmm. and I'll be doing the teaching, and I have other teachers, and we have these times available, and come on in. So that's one way of doing it. More interesting way to do that is to tell the story in a way that is is a compelling, emotional story about yoga and how it transforms somebody mm-hmm. so the effect of coming to the yoga class rather than the actual class itself so that's just a great joy for me to sit and brainstorm with the client because you could see on her face she was like i never thought of that it's like yeah i mean it would be like who is your client what do you want uh, to, like she deals with elderly people and goes into these care homes and oh, that's cool. And that's really cool. And it's like, I would love to see, you know, footage of her working with these people and how they feel better and how excited they are. And maybe they can ballroom dance again, which they wouldn't have been able to do because of the yoga or whatever that story is. So mining the story is really a great joy for me. And thinking about some of the... Well, I, I was just thinking about one of my favorite things, and it's hard for me to pick a favorite, mm-hmm. which... Sounds like that's silly. Like, like, surely there's one or two favorites. I mean, some come to mind. There's some pretty cool opportunities we've had. We got to go to uh, NHRA Drag Race and interview Tony Schumacher yeah, that's cool. and, and a number of other racers and just be in the pits when they were doing a turnover. Unbelievable experience. Uh, the, the nitro fuel that they use totally burns your eyes like you can't believe when you're that close. I don't really know how I even was able to get focus on the camera. <laughs> But those, you know, some really fun times there. But when I when I think about it, every single project, we try to find one thing about that project that's exciting for us. Right. And 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 why what it is that gets us going on that project. So because some of the projects are arguably not very exciting. Um, but when we can unlock that piece of whatever it is, that passion that that helps uh, that that gets our client excited mm-hmm. when we when we get them excited, mm-hmm. um, that's when it's exciting for us. And it's the stories are impactful on yes. their own, right? Right, create definitely. Impact in definitely. Somebody's life somehow. Right, and it's not manipulative in as much as you know. Some people think, well, you know, why would you choose to take an emotional tack on a particular? Um, approach to conveying information Mm -hmm. about a yoga studio or whatever. Um, The truth is people respond to that. Mm -hmm. It's like the, you know, I'm a PC, I'm a Mac uh, Mm -hmm. campaign where there was nothing. There was sometimes no equipment at all, but it was the personification of the emotional context of owning one over the other. And, And that... You know, we look for those kinds of opportunities, and sometimes we get to do it, and sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most fun we have is when we travel for our. We do a lot of work in the medical industry, and that can be really interesting and kind of creepy. <laughs> like, oh, didn't want to know about that. Um, but you know, we go to conferences around the world, which is really fun. So That's we get to really travel. Cool internationally and go to some exciting places because doctors like to go to exciting places to talk to each other that's right right so we do these little setups and shoot video and they talk about their 
latest and greatest treatments. And mm -hmm. then we go off and make a little video, like a travelogue video of uh, like our visit. Um, we did one, one uh, film in London. We mm -hmm. were there for a shoot and we basically wanted to shoot all of the, the sites as we went and saw them. But then we created this little story that went along with that. And that was fun. Um, that didn't make us any money, but, fun. but it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was, we, we liked it. It's it's a little bit more exciting for us than just going back and looking through our pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we got a seven or eight minute short film that we can watch and remember the same things that we would if we had just looked at our pictures. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're part of it and it it reminds us of a chance to practice some yeah, skill sets, certainly. too, you know, like. So you guys actually fo focus on short films mostly, right? So yeah, I that's, noticed that's most of your right. edits are shorts. Right. right. Yeah. Why the best, shorts? Well, because they're less expensive than features. Good to know. I was just curious. <laughs> because they're short. Right. Yeah, because they're, they're short. short. They, sell, they tell a story. Well, right. Right. You know, yeah. the Mark Twain was the one that apologized. He says, "I'm sorry, I didn't write a, a shorter letter. I didn't have the time." <laughs> right. And, and so, shorter films require mm -hmm. a little bit more work in terms of like how do you tell that in that compressed amount of time yes right. the more time you have the more you can kind of just play with ideas mm -hmm. so we love that sort of focus that a short film gives us um well and like you were talking about earlier the idea that this is practicing skill sets that we would use to create a feature-length film so our, our goal and our desire is to create feature-length films that tell stories that inspire wonder that's that's where we're headed oh that's awesome and that's the trajectory we're on um, and in the meantime, mm -hmm. uh, bills have to be paid and people have to eat. And so we, we get to help. To that's right. They do. And so right now we get to help those people tell their stories mm -hmm. right, uh, until we can support ourselves enough to be able to tell our own stories. Is the feature film going to be the book? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so you know, we've talked about that. It, it's funny. We've gone back and forth about should it be a feature film? Should it be... Uh, a That's series. What you're talking about oh, uh, the that. book. Yes. That's right. Oh, Show us the book, please. Right. See if it was on the bookshelf. That's right. Oh, it is actually on the bookshelf. It is. It is. <laughs> Your daughter read it. Well, it's a bunch of short stories, so right. we have we haven't decided. I mean, it could be like the Wonder Years, a bunch of short mm -hmm. little films. Essentially, that's what a series is. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've adapted one of the stories, uh, the Flying Frying Pan, into Mother's Flying Frying Pan, into a short film more of an episode probably than a short film um it's about 20 some odd pages so that'd be about a broadcast half hour uh, usually one minute of screen time is equivalent to one page of formatted screenplay so i think we're gonna produce that and then decide from from that you know what it, what our audiences really want to see i mean nowadays you know short form is really like all the rage people want to binge yeah, like rather than right you know right. it's not like this is marvel comics or you know some sort of superhero it's just a kid that you know does dumb things and doesn't like so die. many kids yeah, like, like all the kids <laughs> all kids we know it's including my own grandchildren mm -hmm. but anyway yeah so and then we've got um my nephew works in um hollywood he his day job is he does uh, videos for ucla and he produces the online content for courses and he's a screenwriter and he and his partner have written a short film that we're going to produce in the spring oh, here mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting and it's 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 a drama film noir kind of 
don't know what was the what did we decide the uh, genre was a uh, oh. a dude with a problem that's right yeah and the <laughs> blake snyder yeah. list of genres he's got a problem but oh, you know that there are a lot of people in denver who are extremely talented and um that you know want to participate too and use that as an opportunity because it's not going to be you know a money maker for any of us but it could be something that could do well in festivals because of the nature of the it's the a dramatic piece and so That's because awesome. of that the genre i think um it's got some it's got some potential so each of you have a ton of credits from acting to narrating murder mysteries stuff which can you just tell me a little bit about your favorite roles hmm. um i even saw like video games stuff i was very confused how does that work <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you guys were video right. game actors. I was, I was, I was a video game actor. That I forgot so, about the page master, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the page master. I was. Uh, it was a not great movie that came out Macaulay a long time ago. Macaulay Culkin oh, and Christopher right. Lloyd was in it, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, I never got to meet either one of them because I sounded kind of like Macaulay Culkin when I was ten. Oh. I got to be the voice of Macaulay Culkin, much more affordable than sure. actual Macaulay sure. Culkin. So, um, well, that was about, that movie was about a kid who became a cartoon and then came back to, to life. So start out live action right. to cartoon. And so they just turned yeah. it into a video game. And the, the video game was, I mean, it was really early on PC gaming and not, I mean, it was, it was remarkable for the what it was at the time. Today, you'd look at it and be like, this is not even as good as the, lamest free app i can get on my phone uh for a video game like but years it, it was a blast and i definitely had a great time telling all my friends at school yeah i'm the voice of macaulay culkin in a video game i'm, like, I'm pretty cool it did not incidentally get me any dates uh or girlfriends or anything <laughs> no, other than true. i think i did definitely get some wedgies out yeah, of it. No direct <laughs> correlation. yeah but it was no that was that was a fun time so would i lend my voice to video games in the future yes absolutely anybody interested mm -hmm. in a semi-nerdy sounding guy uh millennial flavored voice <laughs> i'm totally in call me i can kind of um, do ben's voice that's there you go yes uh favorite role though favorite role. oh for me it was getting to play with dick van dyke you know oh, that's right yeah. made for tv it was the pilot to the um i called it um dr sloan medicine man but it wasn't called that it was <laughs> diagnosis murder and Dick Van Dyke was shooting it in Colorado along, you know, this is right after Perry Mason and the Father Dowling series that was uh, based here in the 80s and early 90s. And I got to play this bookie and shoot with Dick Van Dyke for a day, which was pretty exciting. He was a childhood hero of mine, right? I, but this guy was so, I learned so much about acting just working with him with one day. That's really cool. Uh, so in one day, it was just uh remarkable to see him where he's chewing gum he just quit smoking he's like chewing gum and singing songs between takes and then uh, jerry london directed and he goes oh, okay i'm ready and he says, are you ready dick he goes yeah and it completely changed he was like what happened to the guy that was just like and we're all trying to like catch up with him it was really it was a it was a good day um i loved the theater i miss the theater i miss doing live performances um you know i did uh, a one-man show played john wilkes booth which was really cool uh, play to do um and you know a lot of murder mystery shows and musicals over the years and 
Shakespeare. Um, closest that I get to Shakespeare now is directing the kids in my grandchildren's school and these are like fourth and fifth graders and junior high kids <laughs> in hilarious. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They are really serious about it and dedicated in many ways more <laughs> dedicated than a lot of actors I worked with over the years. But yeah, it's a lot of fun to be able to do that. That's awesome. I think probably Tiny Tim. Yeah, kind of obviously you're I mean, still getting was, plumped was, talking about it over here. I got to play Bob just, Cratchit, but not to his That's time. right. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. It was just a, a, an amazing time for 10-year-old me to be in a professional theater company with professional actors. And get to die and, every night. And just really, yeah, oh. and get to die every night. Had to lay real still. Um, <laughs> that was that was probably one of my favorites. So playing Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls in high school was also a total blast. It was just, I mean, what a fun role. Just really good time. You got a horse right here? Yeah, his name is Paul Revere. That's awesome. All right, so next projects for Kimball Productions. Well, we're in the middle of a busy season right now with our continuing medical education. One of the cool places we get to go to, we're going to San Francisco this coming weekend, but we get to go to Copenhagen in March. Oh, very cool. Which is real exciting. I've never been there. Um, but fun projects. The next big one is this um, short film called mm-hmm. Oboe, written by Paul Kimball. But... Um, so that's that's a couple of the things that we're working on. And Ben's working on some screenplays. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet! With some feature films and and working on it. One of them is a historical, present day mashup. So a character from the past uh, visits someone in the present, which probably sounds like um, thousands of different <laughs> plot right. lines that already exist. Um, but it that ties into. Um, to the school where my my kids go, uh, which is heavily based on uh, the educational philosophy of a, a British educator, oh. and uh, so I think it'd be really fun to hear what she has to say about educating kids in today's world. Oh, that's so really cool. Be a be an interesting fictional story based on some truth, historical truth. There, awesome. yeah, it was like a, a teacher from modern day failing at teaching, but then she calls on this, you know, the ghost of Christmas past kind of thing with. But she's not a ghost. She's like comes and visits her in her classroom and kind of coaches her on the side. Nobody can see her but the teacher. It's a really fun idea. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll get to this this year. That's right. Yeah, we're hopeful to get well, to. I was referring to the book to filming the. Uh, That's how I remember the, the first the whole episode. Book? Yeah, the full title is okay. Maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, but that's how I remember it. Because every story ends with okay, maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, but that's how I remember it. <laughs> so, I love it. Anyway. All right, so before I ask my last question, uh, where where, or what is the easiest way for people to find you? Well, we're here now. Well, I mean, you're here now, <laughs> but if they wanted to, like, come, you know. Oh, later. Later. And after what? We're not going to yeah. be here all the time? No, you do have to leave. <laughs> Don't have to go home, but we you can't just stay can't here. You just can't stay here. Yeah, can't stay here. So the easiest way to find us is at Kimball Productions. Um, our website is kimballpro.com. Okay. And we're also on Facebook, which we don't ever update. Um, <laughs> we have, I think there's a Twitter. Potentially. Twitter something or another out there. Yeah, hashtag uh, Tom Kimball. Or whatever I don't think is. you're a hashtag. I don't I'm think you're hash- your own hashtag. I think you'd be at Tom Kimball. Oh, but I don't know if that's your... We'll, yeah, see, I don't we'll get you some stuff oh, so yeah, you can I want you know how to, how to find <laughs> us. Yes. Okay, yeah. so 
in your opinion, if mm-hmm. you could talk to every business owner on the planet, what story should they be telling? That's an easy one. Their story. <laughs> uh, nobody has same story. the same story. Every, every person has their own unique story. There's a reason that you walked the path you walked to get here. And there's, there's gold in that story. Um, I would, I would encourage every business owner to think about it from the perspective of if they were interviewing themselves, Mm -hmm. if they were to think about, you know, an outside perspective on, on what, why, why do I do the things that I do? Well, let me ask myself, self, why do you, why do you drink coffee at 3am and then, uh, you know, check your stocks and do these sorts of things? Could you bring up a very, you know, valid metaphor and when you say there's gold in it that requires mining i mean mm-hmm. you can't get the gold mm-hmm. by going i want i'm just going to sit here and will it out of the, right. the quartz it's true. not going to happen it does yet. take some effort take some effort mm-hmm. and uh, you know i go back to the story i told earlier with this woman who owns the yoga company it was really fun to her, see her discover on her own face like mm-hmm. she was like oh yeah because she told me how she started out working in social work Mm -hmm. so she was a person that had an empathetic kind of personality anyway loves people wants to help people and then she got into yoga on a personal level and then figured out that that was something that she could bring to other people but hadn't made necessarily that connection um Mm -hmm. so i think you know if there's a distinctive for us it's like if you take that time that think time Mm -hmm. and ponder those those ideas you'll discover that you have no matter if you're the same you know i'm a real estate guy and i'm selling real estate yep i'm a real estate guy and i'm selling real estate too what's unique about you well you know i was raised by my grandparents and i just love helping elderly people and so that's the unique story so that's now all of a sudden it's focusing that business owner on really truly who their their clients are who Mm -hmm. their best customer is um, but you have to talk it out. Absolutely. Did they could call you and ask? You would tell them, wouldn't you? Maybe. <laughs> they, could, they could come on your show. That's right. And then they would discover. That's yeah. right. They would figure out. Well, and that's, you know, that's part of the That's the bigger reason I do this because mm-hmm. I love to talk to business owners. Right. And like, why do you do what you do? What are you, you know, what are you facing right now? Have you so, had people discover that on the show? Like, while they're talking to you, like, oh, I didn't know that about myself. <laughs> I don't think we've had any of those mm-hmm. moments yet, but okay. and now I want to. There so you go. We're gonna work on that. All right. Well, I didn't. I didn't know I liked tea so much. There you go. It's the best tea ever. It is. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. Thank Thanks you for having us. Hey y'all! Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast to be inspiring helpful and entertaining, please like and subscribe. This helps us grow the community and reach more people. If you're interested in learning more about this episode's guest or accessing any of the books or other resources mentioned in this episode, be sure to check out the description box below. Until next time, be abundant.